This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. We- and then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Everybody makes it to the loving cup. It's a man ambition, but I got the ambition. The notion of it's, a, it's what we were talking about earlier. It's a mad mission. It is a form of insanity for me at this point, at 49 years of age, having my heart broken as many times as it's been broken, to say, yeah, you know what? Let's try again. That's insane. Welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your hosts, comedian and radio personality Maggie Mayfield and Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Welcome <laughs> to Squad. This is Maggie Mayfield, your host, and whom you just heard was my delightful co-host, David Earl Waterman, we mm. call Hollywood Secret Weapon. You call me Hollywood Secret Weapon. and that Well, might... everyone does now. now it is your thing. Uh, I'm going to get you a business card. And this is how we're forever bonded, because that's the yeah. best nickname I've ever gotten. It's <laughs> a pretty good nickname. Isn't it? Yeah. And the strange voice you hear is the... Is it strange? No, well, you're new to the show. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. But people have seen Seen your photo, which we'll take after we record the. That's strange. (laughs) (laughs) Voice, not so much. The photo, very strange. Welcome, Dave Joseph. Hi. Well, thank you. I don't even know how to introduce you. Can I call you Hollywood? Since Uh, he's tagged you, Hollywood secret weapon. You damn well can. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Just to give our listeners an update of who you are, you do amazing things. Most currently, you are the voice of the Los Angeles Kings. At Staples Center. Yes. If you come to a Kings game at Staples Center in downtown Los Angeles, uh, 1111 South Figueroa, you can uh, see the L.A. Kings, two-time Stanley Cup champion L.A. Kings. And uh, and you can hear me hopefully call a lot of goals when the Kings score goals. We didn't score as many as we would have wanted to last year, but hopefully this year things will uh, change. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to talk? Because I'm not a sports person. Uh-huh. We should didn't we, make the playoffs last we, year. We didn't. No. Okay. We we being the L.A. Kings, mm-hmm. we didn't make the playoffs. It's a royal we, I guess. You're a big sports guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I've born known... born and raised a sports guy in Michigan. In Michigan, yeah. Well, well, and you're not a. You're not a Lions fan. No, I'm a Packers fan. Me too. I'm a, I'm a part owner of the Packers. I own Get a stock. Out. Yes, I own one share of stock in the Green Bay Packers, so I'm an owner. Wow. So I can vote in the shareholders' meetings once a year, every do July. Do you do that? I don't vote. <laughs> I probably should. I but have the right, so but I Everyone don't. votes for the same person anyway. So, uh-huh. yeah, so I have the uh, piece of uh, a paper on my wall. It's framed that says I'm the owner of the Packers, part owner of the Packers. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. So every couple of years they come up with this, uh, they sell more shares of stock for the team to. Last time it was for stadium renovations, so they could expand Lambeau Field in Green Bay. And so they sell all these shares of stock, and you can buy as many shares as you like. So one share might be $200. Sure. So you buy that share, and then you partially own the team. They're the only team, the only professional sports team that's owned by the community. They don't have an owner. It is so cool. Yeah, all teams have an owner except for the Green Bay Packers. Can I tell you a secret I just read today? Sure. There are five football teams that have completely undateable fans. The Dallas Cowboys. Agreed. The, the Raiders. The Pittsburgh Steelers. No, Raiders didn't make it. Ooh, that's a shame. Uh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh-huh. Dallas Cowboys. Uh-huh. And Packer fans. Why are we undateable? Because apparently people don't like success. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> intimidation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be. That makes sense. It's okay. intimidating. Okay. So you've been a sports fan your whole life, and you have an amazing, booming radio voice. Thank you. How long have you been doing radio? I did radio for 25 years. I'm you now, have? Yeah, I'm when now you retired. When were like 10? <laughs> when I was 15, just 15, All turning right. 16, I got into radio. So I, I'm from a very small town in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Youpers. Uh, Youpers. Yeah, UP, <laughs> abbreviated Youper. Is that near Land O'Lakes? 
Uh, I don't know where Land O'Lakes is. So oh, okay. it, I was there once. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. So uh, long story short, my my dad uh, Larry owned a supermarket, the supermarket in town. There was like one supermarket in town. Was my it called dad, Larry's? It was called Joseph's, which oh, is okay. my last name. name. And his dad owned it before him, and so it got passed down through the family. My dad wanted me to be a grocer, and. Um, I didn't want to do that. That wasn't really good for me to be a grocer. I was kind of felt more artsy and entertainment minded. Yeah. So I said, I went to work for my dad for one day and he was on my case the whole day. Now, this is the same dad that coached me in sports and got me into sport, right? Big yeah. sports fan and everything. He said, you need to come work for me. So I came to work for my dad at the grocery store one day and I was stocking shelves. And my dad, come on, move it. You got to go faster, faster. You're never, you know, you're never going to make it. And I took a can of corn and I threw it at my dad and I said, I quit. <laughs> And my dad said, like, I missed him. I didn't hit him. You know? But I was just angry, so I threw the can of corn at my dad. And he said, well, if you, if you quit, you have to find another job. You're not going to stay in my house and not work. Well, yeah. And so I went across the street that day to my neighbor, and he owned the radio station in town, or he was the GM of the radio station in town. Very small town of 6,000 people. And I said, I said uh, Mr. Mogish, can you... Is there any way I can work at your radio station? I'll do anything. Wow. I had no idea what what was included in radio. I'd never set foot in a radio station. He said, come and see me tomorrow, and I'll take care of it. So I went to see him at this top 40 radio station, the only radio station in town. Wow. And he introduced me to the program director, and he said, yeah, we'll start you off pushing some buttons, and you can kind of learn how everything goes. And that's how I got so into you were radio. A, a board op. That's what that's Yeah, called. I started off as a board op, yeah. and I, I would play music. I'd play the commercials. I'd play everything. Uh, our program director would would uh, come in during the breaks, and he'd talk on the radio and do the breaks. I would set everything up for him, and that was my introduction to radio at 15, 16 years and old. you were hooked. 15. I was hooked. I got the bug. Yeah, 15. yeah, yeah. 15. Quick yeah. synopsis. Mm-hmm. Who are you living with? All the names. Uh, brothers, sisters, mom, dad, and your best buddy at that time. At the time, it was, uh, so it was uh, my mom, Violet, mm-hmm. my dad, Larry, Lawrence, who's uh, known as Larry, mm-hmm. my brother, Brian, and then uh, I just had a bunch of... High school friends. Uh, I remember yep. Chucky Masali and, and Chad Johnson. And, uh, uh, God, I love think. names. Yeah, I I'm going back to the time. You're grinning real Yeah, yeah. It, it <laughs> I love takes names. takes me back to that time. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Bobby Nemi, like all these guys that I used to hang out with and play sports with. And I mean, just. And this was 19. This is 19. When was it? Uh, 90? 1990. Yeah, 1990. Wow, 15. Yeah. So I was born in 74. So yeah. I was, uh, yeah, 89, 90. Nice. Yeah. But that was my introduction to radio. It was, it was uh, I, 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 like, the second I walked into the studio, it was this old, crappy, like, there was carpet on the walls, like, this, this yeah. orange, brownish, shag carpet. Chevy van interior. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it, it used to be a dentist's office, and they converted it into a radio station, and it wow. was above a bowling alley, and, like, you could hear the bowling sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what is going on? And there was a florist down below. Like, there, it was, it was nothing like this. Yeah. And there were all these switches and levers on this board that had pots. We called them pots back yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where you, where you turn up the volume for those yeah. of you listening. Like you, you'd turn it so you'd turn it to ten to get louder. You know. Yeah. And now they have you know these sliders and faders and everything that you see here and buttons. We didn't have any of that. It was all like you know, and Tape. we had carts. And we would play out things off a cart, reel to reel, and. And so I came in, and the first shift I ever had was on a Sunday. They used to give me these Sunday shifts. So it would be either 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. or 4 p.m. to midnight. And I'm in high school at the time. 
And uh, so this shift, I was working four to midnight, and I used to have to play all these shows off the reel to reel and record. We had record at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So we used to play like Rick D's Weekly Top Forty. Wow. I played on reeling, record. Reeling in the Years. Yeah. Was a show I played. Exactly. Q one hundred four FM. There you go. Yeah, that was my yeah. So it's the same thing. Weird. And then we used to play Rick D's Weekly Top Forty. Casey Kasem. Yeah. His top forty or top thirty, whatever it was at the time. And then we used to play the half hour comedy hour. Cool. Which was on record. It came on record. So I used to hear all these comedians at 10 o'clock on Sunday nights. And I remember, first of all, I remember uh, laying in my bed listening to it on the radio. And then when I actually got to work there, I'm like, wow, I get to play this stuff? That's so cool. Like, yeah, so I play all these comedians and I hear like... Your Brian Regans and Judy Tenuta and like all these different it's like Judy old show. Yeah. So I hear all these people and this is how I got this is how I like I always had this bug for like comedy too, where it's I'm there there was a two hour window on Sunday nights where we would do live programming for some reason, which I don't remember how that happened, but there was it was two hours where we would cut from the uh ra- comedy. The, the comedy records and all these pre recorded shows and we play regular music, top forty music. And the uh, one of the DJs who was supposed to come in during that time called up and he said, Dave, I can't, I can't make it today. And I said, well, what do, you, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, just call Jim, your boss, and tell him, you know, ask him what he wants you to do. And I called Jim, my boss, and I said, Jim, this guy can't come in. What do you want me to do? And he said, well, just go on the air. What? Just do it. Yes. And I said, what do you mean, just do it? And he said, well, you're going to be a DJ. This is your chance to be a DJ. He said, what's your name going to be? And I was like, what are you talking about? What's my name going to be like? I was, I'm 16. Yeah. I'm like shaking nervous, shaking like a leaf. I've never been on the radio before. Granted, there's nobody listening, but still, it was like, okay, this is crazy. Yeah. And I remember my brother always wanted to be in a rock and roll band, which we were at at a time, but he really wanted to make it big. And he said, if I ever made it big, my name would be Brian Storm. Like he wanted this big, cool name. So I remember <laughs> yeah. him saying that. And my brother was such an influence on me. And I said, I want it, then I'll be Dave Storm. And my boss said, that's great. And I didn't want to be Dave Joseph, which is a radio name in and of itself. But everybody knew who I was in town. Like, it was such a small town. And everyone knew my dad and our family and everything. So I didn't want to have my name. I kind of (laughs) want to have a different personality. So I was like, I'll be Dave Storm. I was awful for two hours on the air. I was just awful. It was brutal, right? I mean, your first time doing anything, you're pretty much bad at it. But I was like nervous and shaking. And I left the microphone on at one point, whatever. (laughs) But I remember getting off the air. And I was like, as bad as that was. That was awesome. Yeah. Like you just there was such there was a rush. Yeah. And I said, I don't know that I can ever do anything else. Like this is this and then I was sixteen it. and that that's all I wanted to do. And I did it until I was forty one years old. Yeah. So that, that that's how I got the bug. You were at that same work. station till you were forty one. No, 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 no. I worked there from sixteen to eighteen. Because I got a resume in front of me right here that says different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I worked there from sixteen to eighteen while oh, okay. I was in high school. And by the way, 99% of the people that I went to high school with, all the kids I was in high school with, had no idea that it was me that oh. was on the radio. Wow, that's so cool. They had so no cool. clue. And people would, I'd had teachers that listened to me, and they would be like, oh, did you hear Dave, Dave Storm? Storm this weekend? Like, he was playing this, and he was <gasps> playing that, and he, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's great, that's great. Didn't you feel like no Superman? Clue. Yeah, they had no clue what was going, like, a couple of my friends knew, Yeah, and I'd have friends that would bring me dinner and stuff when I was at work, and they'd stop at Burger King and grab me something. That's or whatever, cool. you know. yeah. But for the most part, people didn't know, and we didn't, like, advertise it. Nobody advertised it that, like, that's... That was me. Yeah. So it was kind of cool to just have that oh, that's second awesome. personality. Yeah. 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 Wow. So that was fun. Is that even possible today where a young person who's got exposure and, and some viewers would not have it on Instagram, Facebook? No, I don't, th- I don't yeah. think that's possible. And we had none of that. Bad. None of that existed, right? I kind of admire that. That's a pretty rare yeah. commodity. And why do you think you wanted to keep it on the down low? 
there were so many people we were related to in town. There was my dad with the supermarket. My mom was a teacher at my high school who I had for high school English. I get it. Okay. It was such a small... T- I had 400 kids in my entire high school. Oh, wow. So 100 kids in a graduating class. So everybody knew everything about everybody. So it was... I don't want to go on the radio and be Dave Joseph at this point. You know what I mean? I just want to do my own thing. And then people would see me and have no idea, which was kind of neat. You know what I mean? After we met, you told me this pretty great story. I think you had gotten into working for the Kings at this point, but he tells me this great story how he went to go get his taxes done and the guy like recognized you. And oh, you yeah, were yeah, like, yeah. You were like, oh man, now they know how much I make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was <laughs> terrible. I mean, it's awful. Especially when you work in radio and you don't make a whole lot of money when you're starting off. So yeah, there's that. Or you go to the doctor sometimes yeah. and like I just had a, uh, I went to see the doctor about some personal stuff and uh, the doctor goes, uh, he's grabbing certain parts of my body, which shall remain nameless. And he says, uh, so you work for the Kings, huh? What do you do? And I'm like, oh, oh man, well. this is not the time yeah. or the place. <laughs> oh, my kids are big hockey fans. Oh, we go to the games. I'm like, oh, I'm well, the announcer. I work as the announcer. Oh, yeah, I've heard you before. He's like, can you call for me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, there you go, Doc. Sure thing. you do a lot of stick handling. <laughs> Part of the king's operation. <laughs> Too bad hockey players don't use balls, huh, Doc? Oh, oh folks. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's uh, awkward. Yeah. So then. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, yeah. <laughs> oh, we, you know, we went out for lunch afterwards, so he made it up to me. Go. Oh, that's good. So after you graduated high school, you went to college. I did. And uh, again, I'm from a very small town, so I wanted to get out, or as we say in Michigan, out of this small town. And. Um, my brother had gone to school at Michigan State University, and I really wanted to go to school there, a great school. But then I thought, mm, I want to do something not affiliated with him. I want to kind of be on my own, develop my own personality. So I went to school at Hofstra University nice. on Long Island, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is a, has a great communications department. It's about 30 miles outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. I thought I can go there. I can get a great education. I can play hockey for four years, Division II club hockey. It wasn't like I was going to be on scholarship or anything because it wasn't that good. And then I could get into radio in New York City lofty expectations but yeah. i thought this is the place where i'm going to start you're young you're dumb you're and hopeful, you don't know you're yeah. hopeful and you, yeah. you, no one's crushed your dreams yet exactly and so that's what i did so i went to i went to school at hofstra and then um i got a job my sophomore year at a radio station on eastern long island 106.1 wbli wow and i was a jock an overnight jock there for two years three years Wow. And so I got to do overnight shifts and uh, mostly weekend stuff. But it was great because I was 19, 20 years old. And here I was working for a commercial radio station on Long Island, is which so is, cool. uh, I think it was like the 12th or 13th largest market in the country at that time. And wasn't very good. Again, wasn't very good. But I had a, uh, uh, the guy who hired me there gave me a shot. And he just said, I think you can be good. Like, I think, I think you can do this. Yeah. Which gave me a shot of confidence. Filled in on the weekends there for a couple of years. And then I got an internship in New York City at WPLJ 95.5. And I was working for the Rocky Allen Showgram with yeah. Rocky Allen and Blaine Ensley. To this day, two of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. Fantastic guys. Didn't get paid anything. But Rocky Allen would reimburse my Long Island Railroad train rides into the city. Like, he'd always give me a check every month. He'd be like, whatever you need, we'll take care of it. That's I so mean, cool. just, yeah. and you don't run into a lot of people like that when you work in the entertainment industry. Right. Like, it's just like kind of everyone's for themselves. And these guys were just fantastic. Blaine Ensley happened to be from Michigan. We kind of hit it off together. 
I did that for two years. I got college credit for one year, then just did it on my own for another year because it was so fun. It was amazingly fun. I got to learn so much. They gave me hands-on, like hands-on work every day. I need you to edit this. I need you to splice this tape. I need you to go here and interview this person. I need you to bring up this celebrity from downstairs. Like everything you could possibly do. Mm -hmm. And I'm still in college at this point. I'm like, this is great. Like this is what I wanted. I knew for a fact that this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. So after my senior year, there was uh, across the hall, there was the sister station, uh, 77 WABC in New York City. They were looking for a morning board op because their morning board op was retiring after 35 years. Wow. And they said, is this something you'd be interested in? Well, I just wanted to get my foot in the door. Yep. So I said, yeah, I'll take it. And they said, okay, it was, the station was owned by Disney at the time, still is. Mm-hmm. So they said, uh, we're not going to hire you as a union person, but we'll pay you union salary to come in and work the morning show. Oh, my God. So I said, great. Like, what does a job like that pay? And again, this is my first full-time job ever. And I'm 22 years old. And head engineer Bill Krause, never forget it, calls me into his office. I said, what does the job pay? He said, it pays 41.6. And I said, it pays 40 what? And he said, it pays 41.6. I said, 41,600? He said, yeah. I said, I'll take it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 90 what? 22? 92? 92, yeah. Jeez. So I was like, that sounds good to me. Uh, like, so I, yes, I took please, 96. So 96. yeah, 96 when I graduated. 96. Plus, on top of that, there was you'd make overtime for anything over seven and a half hours in a day. And if you worked holiday, you got paid double time and a half, which they called golden time. Wow. So there was all this, you know, I was making 25, 30 bucks an hour. And then if I worked holidays, I'd make 60 bucks an hour, which I volunteered Woo. for everything. WABC. WABC. Was that talk? Yeah, was, talk radio. Yeah, because yeah, I was yeah. in New York at the time. I was on second 51st. Yep. I, I used to love 1010 WINS. Yeah, wins. Yeah, yeah. Give us 22 you're minutes. The, you're we'll give you the, the morning guy on ABC. Well, I, I engineered the morning show. So we had a guy by the name of Mike Gallagher, who's still on the air. He and uh, a gentleman named Lionel, they did the morning show. And then Rush Limbaugh, the That's union it. people went on strike. Rush Limbaugh was in our building, and we had one of our union people engineer his show. Union went on strike. They called up one day and said, we need someone to engineer Rush Limbaugh's show because the union guys aren't going to do it. And they said, you're the only guy here, so you have to do it. So what? I engineered Rush Limbaugh's show one day. Are you Smedley? No. Oh. <laughs> no, but I know all those guys. Oh, you did? This yeah, is really did. a Smedley? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, geez, And then, uh, and so... That last the strike lasted for three or four months, as I recall, and they said, "Like you need to do the show." So I engineered Rush Limbaugh's show for several months. Wow, the nicest guy in the world. Like, I'm not saying I agree with his politics or sure. what he does in radio, but super nice to me. Mm. Like, yeah. unbelievably nice working with one of the one of the top guys ever in radio yeah. broadcasting. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because yeah. we get so tied into our our association with individuals as they are in their media appearance. Right, and, right. You know, give he cut was the guy a break. He's you know whatever. unbelievable. That's and nice. I remember like the yeah. first day I came in, I was again shaking, nervous. I've never met the guy. Yeah. Most of the time, he did the the show from his his house in Florida, so we kind of hook him up by ISDN line and whatever. And I was in charge of doing all that stuff, getting him up on the satellite and playing all the music beforehand all the commercials all that stuff and then the first day on the show he said uh, david's nice to meet you and it was he was over an isdn line and he said there's anything i can do for you let me know just relax and have fun and i said who says that like yeah. that's fantastic and yeah. he was one of the nicest people i've ever worked for wow. and the last day when i left there the last day he said if you ever need anything from me ever in this business here's my phone number please call me wow and i 
never took him up on that. But uh, I, I mean, that's a testament to you. At this time, yeah. there wasn't like email wasn't big, and there wasn't you know oh, get in touch with me or call my people. Or he was like, here's my phone number, and just call me. You showed up. He was one of the nicest mm-hmm. guys ever. Never yelled at me. Never. Well, uh, I, he was fantastic. Fantastic. I, I, I see a therapist, and I gave it, but but you probably were just as fantastic too. You're yeah. a young guy showing up. Well, I was taking... scared to death that he was going to sure. say like get well, out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. Respectful. One day I came in, and it, he would always say, please whatever you do, please finish your food before we start the show because I don't like to see people eating while yeah. I do the show when he was there in New York. And one day I was just crushing this pizza beforehand because I worked, I would work five to 1130 and then his show came on at noon Eastern time. And from 1130 to noon, I had a break. So I would have to get the show ready, get all this commercials ready, whatever. So I ran downstairs. We were above Madison square garden in New mm-hmm. York city. So I ran downstairs. I got a couple of slices of pizza and I was just finishing when the show started up and I look across uh, through the window, and I see Rush, and he's just staring at me. And I'm like, oh, no, he's going to kill me on the air because I'm still eating pizza. And he says on the air, I still have the tape. I still have it on cassette tape. This is how long ago that was. I'm embarrassed. And he says, uh, he opens the show. He says, uh, whatever, it's uh, election day, 19, whatever. And I, I said, uh, he said, uh, Dave Joseph, what are you eating? And I said, oh, my God, he's going to totally crucify me for this. Uh-huh. And and there was a great pizza place in New York called Don Pepe's Pizza downstairs in the garden. And we used to, I always get Don Pepe's. I said, and I said it in his ear. I said, uh, Rush, it's Don Pepe Pizza. Said, oh, Don Pepe Pizza. I love me some Don Pepe Pizza. And then just went off on this tear about Don Pepe Pizza and how good it was. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm saved. Like, he's not going to uh, not wow. gonna say anything. And he didn't. He didn't say anything about it. He wasn't mad or whatever. Yeah. It was just like, but to be called out. And I remember my dad listening. My dad was listening that day to Rush Limbaugh on the air. And he said, Rush Limbaugh just said your name on the radio. And I'm like. I know. Across how many hundreds of affiliates across the. And I, like, at that point, I thought. Okay, now I've made it. Like I can die happy because Russell Limbaugh just said my name and my dad heard it. Like it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. cool. That yeah, that's so, cool. Guys like that kind of make it because there are a lot of yeah not so nice people in the business. A lot of weasels and another guy was Sean Hannity. I worked for Sean Hannity oh, in New cool. York City too. Yeah, and he was the nicest guy. He'd come in every day, buy you pizza, buy you. He used to buy these cases of Snapple iced tea. We used to just get drunk on Snapple iced tea because it was so yeah. good. And he just totally take care of everybody that worked for him. And he gets a bad name. I know he's again. I don't. I'm not saying I agree or disagree with his politics, but he was just the most unbelievably nice guy to work for. That's so, cool. Yeah. 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 That's really great yeah. to hear. This is a very rare conversation, and I'm so grateful that, you know, that we can take a pause and separate our individuality from our job. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and I just, I'm, I'm just moved by the fact that we can comfortably say Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh at their soul and heart are nice people. Good people. They're passionate about their, their side. That's Absolutely. All. Absolutely. I think that's a, it's a nice message. And he's also, yeah. keep in mind, these are guys who are trying to get ratings and they're trying to get listeners and, and you're doing whatever it takes to to do that. So you're and by the way, if you want to be a sponsor of this show, just no, <laughs> no, we get it. We get it. Yeah. That's a good deal, man. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm so curious to hear all of your five songs oh since God. you have been in the oh biz boy. for so long. So shall we dig into song number one? Number one. You know this one? Uh, I've got lots of stories. (laughs) Hello, I'm waiting here for you. 
God, I was living in Jersey City when I used to hear this. Yeah. See, it brings it back, yeah, right? Yeah, running Jersey. Oh, Walkman. So Everlong, Everlong by Foo Fighters. Uh, so I'm a big Howard Stern fan. I listen to Howard Stern <laughs> every are. day, yeah, yeah. every single day, uh-huh. like no matter what. I never, never miss Howard Stern. And I catch it on replay when I don't miss it uh-huh. or when I happen to not be in the car, whatever it is. So uh, I'm listening to Howard Stern one day, and Dave Grohl is in, and he's talking to Howard, and he breaks out his acoustic guitar, and he does Everlong acoustically which if you haven't heard it look it up mm-hmm. youtube it do whatever you got to do it's way, it's, it, it'll give you chills i mean yeah. it's bone chilling it's one of the best versions i've ever heard but also foo fighters did everlong for david letterman and i was a mm-hmm. big yeah, big yeah, big yeah, we've david talked letterman. about that on okay. the show it's a huge yeah so i'm a huge david letterman fan yeah. growing up right mm-hmm. it was always letterman or leno like i was always 100 percent letterman i love letterman he's from indiana he's a midwestern kid like me to Ball State. Like, I knew everything about Letterman. He had a huge stand-up career before he got the late-night shows and whatever. He was really, other than Carson, one of the pioneers of late-night, right? So I used to always watch Letterman. Just cracked me up with everything he did, calling his mom, whatever. One of his favorite bands was Foo Fighters. Mm -hmm. And when David Letterman had his heart surgery, they thought he was going to die. And these doctors, he brought out on his one of his last shows, he brought out doctors, the doctors that saved his life and thanked them all. And then he also brought up Foo Fighters, one of his favorite bands, and he said, could you just play me this song? Because, you know, like, I didn't know if I was going to make it. Yeah. Can you, would you just do this, do me a favor and play this song? And they played him out. I believe it was his last show. They I saw that show. And yeah. they played Everlong. And I literally, I was in tears. I, I mean, yeah. it was the most, one of the most touching things I've ever seen on, on late night television. Steve Bean said, and I think it's accurate. I'm, I'm sure it is. Weren't they on tour and they actually made a special They trip came back from yeah. Australia. I want to say, yeah, yeah, they were somewhere else. And they, they, Letterman said, I don't think we can get these guys. And they were like, what do you mean you can't get them? And they, they're on tour. And they came back just for that show. They yeah. did that show for Letterman. That's how much he meant to them and they meant to him. So that, That's a Y-Tune shuffle, man. That's a story. I love, that's the music. That's yeah. I, I will never turn that when that comes on the right. Like, every time I hear it, it's just like, I got chills on my legs right now. I've mm-hmm. got goose flesh. Like, I, I don't know what it is. Every time I hear that song, it just, that's what it brings. It brings me back to that. It brings me back to Howard Turner. It brings me back to, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. And, I mean, Dave Grohl. Nirvana, Foo Fighters, like you can't do any wrong. Guy's just amazing. I grew up a drummer, like I played drums as a kid. Did you really? Played in a rock band, yeah. And like, did you, you see Dave Grohl, and I'm like, that you guy. You like grew up with him, really? Kind of, yeah. You guys are about the same age. Well, and yeah. yeah, he was, so he was, I was in high school when Nirvana came out, mm-hmm. and then I was like, who's that guy killing the drums? Like, that guy is sick. Just the way he plays mm-hmm. the drums is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And I remember Smells Like Teen Spirit was big mm-hmm. when I was in high school. I'm like, this guy's unreal. Mm-hmm. And then Kurt Cobain died, and then all of a sudden Foo Fighters comes out, and you're like, is there anything this guy touches that doesn't turn to gold? Like, he's just the most <laughs> amazing, amazing musician. One, one of the most I've ever heard. And then we were at a concert. We were at, uh, my wife and I were at a concert. We went to see Adele at Staples Center. And we're in the, uh, we're in one of the, um, uh, it's called the chairman's room downstairs where mm-hmm. they have, they put like celebrities famous. Well, I happen to know somebody at Staples Center, which is how I got in there. So we're in there. We're having a couple of drinks. I have my back to the front door. My wife says to me, don't turn around, but Dave Grohl just walked in. <laughs> and I went, you're kidding me. Like, I think she's putting me on. And uh-huh. she goes, no, Dave Grohl is right behind you. So I was like, holy crap. So I turned around and Dave Grohl's there. I'm not the type of guy who gets starstruck and like I don't like to talk to people just to talk to people. I'm like, I gotta say something to him. Like, yeah. you're a huge influence. Not I'm sure he hears it all the time, but whatever. So I waited, he kind of walked around. He Chris Isaac was there. He was talking wow. to Chris Isaac. So I'm like, okay, I love Chris Isaac too, but Dave Grohl means a little bit more to me. So he's near the bar and I said, Dave, I'm Dave Joseph. I, I do PA for the Kings. And he's oh great, man, cool. Hey, nicest guy. I said, you're just a huge influence on my career. I I'll leave you alone. He's like, I really got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, totally cool. Go to the bathroom. But you like meant everything to me in my life. And he's like, 
thanks, man. I appreciate it. Really cool. And I'm like, you got time for a picture? Yeah, great. We got a little picture. He's like, but now I have to go to the bathroom. I said, you go. Go to the bathroom. Like, yeah. I don't want to hold you up anymore. He's like, cool, man. Thanks. So I didn't want to be that guy, you know, to, to be starstruck and be like, hey, man, I get, you know, yeah. I'm just, this is all about me. But for 30 seconds that I talked to him, it was like highlight of my life. That's, that's a that's great, so great cool. story. Yeah, it's just like, and he was the night, he could have been a total jerk and said, I don't have time for this. I'm going to the bathroom. Who are you? I don't care. What's amazing but is he was, he was so cool. at Adele concert. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Then we go to our seats and seated next to my wife is Chris Isaac. Wow. Like we were in the, like right next to my, I'm like, this is kind of a weird night. Yeah. Like, this is probably You're never like, going to happen again. Yeah, yeah. Like, do they know we're not supposed to be here? Yeah, right. I'm like, well, how did I get this section? This is really weird. And what I'm even more curious about, yeah. as I know Maggie is as well, and our Toon Squad is too, what was the name of your high school band and what was that like? Oh, the, our high school band was Cranial Explosion. Cranial, <laughs> Cranial with a K. Yeah! Cranial with a K. Yeah! Not a C. Cranial Explosion. K-E for short. Uh, but Cranial- who, who was in it? It was me. Uh, I played drums and did backing vocals. I sang a couple of songs. Uh, my brother played bass. Greg Fernia was our lead man. Mm-hmm. He was our front man. Dan Dulper was on guitar, and Doug Pennell was on guitar. So we had two guitarists, a bass, drummer, and singer. Greatest show ever. It was awesome. What did you guys do? It was did you awesome. write songs, or did you play covers? We, there were probably half a dozen songs that we wrote. Okay. It was mostly my brother that wrote them. Yeah. They were terrible songs, but wow. they were good back then. Yeah. And then we would play different concerts, so if there was... A talent. We'd play like the talent show at our high school, uh-huh. and then the last day of every year at high school, it was kind of a free for all. So at lunchtime, we couldn't. We weren't allowed to leave campus. Mm-hmm. So they used to open up the uh, auditorium, and we used to play for all the students at the auditorium. So we played for like forty-five minutes, and we did mostly cover songs. It was all Poison and Kiss and Cinderella. But you and, were like, a some... true garage band. Oh, before yeah, yeah, yeah. that garage band. Oh, no doubt about it. You were a garage we played, band. We played a church camp called Presbytery Point, which is like thirty <laughs> minutes west of where we live. Who's who in the pew? Right, <laughs> and it was it was we're like we got paid to play. For two hours. It was a two-hour thing. It was wow. like a two-hour dance, but it was for a church camp. Yeah. And we were playing like Black Sabbath and wow. Aussie songs. And we're like an hour in, and the people came up to us. They're like, yeah, like, you got to stop playing. You can't play this music anymore. We still got paid. Yeah. But, I mean, we got paid to play. We were like legit. We, I mean, we weren't good, but we were legit where we got paid to play gigs. Yeah. And we would have a couple of summers. One of our friends was way out in the woods, way out in the sticks. And so we went out, and we built a stage. We made a stage. My dad had all these pallets from the grocery store, these wooden pallets. Yeah. So we built this big stage. My parents went out. There was no alcohol. There was no anything. It was a legit concert. And we played on this stage for like two hours. My parents grilled hot dogs and hamburgers. Aww. We had probably three or 400 kids there wow. out in this guy's backyard in the middle of nowhere. And we played until 10 or 11 o'clock at night. That is so fun. Yeah. It was awesome. There's so we a, just did all these a, concerts whenever we could. I don't know if you're noticing this, Waterman, but there's a theme that Dave <laughs> keeps talking about. Where he's like, from a small town. No, yeah. but he keeps saying, he's like, we, I'm, was, I'm not good. I'm not good. We weren't but good. But we did the thing. We but it's good. like, look at you now, man. Like, you couldn't have been that bad because but a, I'm not in Foo Fighters. But that's, <laughs> you know, it's, which would have been my dream. Yeah, but. We, appreciate, <laughs> we appreciate your humbleness. Yeah. But, no, listen. you know, you please own it a little yeah. bit for the listener's sake. I always say this, like, what I do now, like, I love what I do now. But if I could have done anything else, I would have been a rock star. You know well, what I mean? Yeah. Like if I hit, but That's I didn't why have you that become talent. A radio DJ. But I didn't have that <laughs> talent. Like I'm an okay drummer, but it, I'm not like really good to be in one of these bands. You know what I mean? Right. And the funny thing is, uh, you want to talk about it? Yeah, yeah. But like, so Fred Corey, who's a drummer for Cinderella, the band Cinderella, mm-hmm. he was always an idol of mine growing up. 
he now writes music for the L.A. Kings. So a lot of the music you hear at Staples Center, when the Kings take the ice and all these, he writes, wow. he writes for The Wall on NBC4. Oh, he writes for out. that show. He That's does scores so cool. for that. He scores for TV shows, The Night Shift on NBC. He yeah. scores for that. He's, a, he's an unbelievably accomplished musician, right? Mm-hmm. So I've had the chance to meet Fred Curry many, many times. Right. And I've actually been in a studio and played his drum kit. And I sat down, and I was so nervous. My palms are sweaty, and I'm just like, oh, my God, Fred Curry's here. He's letting me play his drum kit, whatever. So I start playing, and I'm like, I'm like I know. Like, I suck. Like, and he goes, dude, you can play. Like, yeah. like you can legit play. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, Fred, like, my heart is going to come out of my chest right now because yeah. I'm so nervous. But, yeah. like, it's just me. And maybe he's being nice, but I'm just like, wow, that to hear Fred Curry say that, a guy who I idolized growing up. Oh. It, I don't know. It's, yeah, I think you, it's you did. Nice. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. It's, it's nice. just cool. It's, it's, yeah, it is cool. It yeah. is nice, and it you know we 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 take the lowest position in the room, and then we, we yeah. get invited up, and it's all the sweeter. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. I Words of wise. I met I met him actually in like 1990 or 1991. They played. Cinderella came to our town and played yeah. a concert there. And uh, I tell him the story all the time. He's like, oh, you're that guy. You're that guy that was in the front row. You're that guy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, I met you. You guys pulled into the Ramada Inn in your bus, and we were waiting there for you because we were super groupies, right? <laughs> and uh, he said, he, I'll never forget this. He says to me, he goes, uh, was I nice to you? And I said, actually, you were. You signed my shirt, and you're like, hey, what's up? Hey, thanks for coming. Yeah. And he's like, good. Thank God. Like, I didn't want to be a jerk. That's I was like, great. no, you've never, like... I met you one time before this, and you were awesome. Yeah. So, I don't know. That just always stays with me. You know what I mean? So yeah. So, kind of have that same theory uh, where I try to be nice to everybody because I remember that from when I was 16 years old. I met Fred Curry, and he was the greatest guy in the world. That's great. So yeah. Cool. And yeah. he didn't have to be, you know? Words, Dave Grohl all over again. Yeah. Words to live by. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Cool. Song number two. By Kiss. Talk about it. First concert ever. No. Oh, what? First rock concert ever. Kiss was your first rock concert ever. 1990, so I think I just turned 16, or I was 15, just turning 16, and it was at the Lakeview Arena in Marquette, Michigan, same place I saw Cinderella. What was the weather? Uh, It was hot and sticky and gross, (laughs) like it always is, uh, in the summer, in August, mid-August, or whatever. It was Slaughter, Winger, and Kiss. Yes. Kiss was the headliner. It was the Hot in the Shade tour, 1990. Oh. And my brother, my brother took my brother was a huge influence on my life and and everything I've done. And um, he took me to the show. I had never been to a rock show before. And again, small venue, 3,500 people, 4,000 people mm-hmm. in a hockey rink. And uh, I just remember that song coming on. And Paul Stanley came out, the lead singer of Kiss, and he told this little story about the firehouse and blah, blah, blah. He had on a red fireman's hat. Like, I can see it to this day. I was in the front, literally, I was in the front row standing there because it was always general admission seating. They had no seats on the floor. It was just go to the front and get crushed. Yeah. So I was in the front, and here's Paul Stanley from Kiss wearing the makeup, and he's got the fireman's helmet on. And 
he says, somebody better call the firehouse. And they go into that. And all of a sudden, you see these red lights start going on stage. Like, mm. they have everything. It's like a firehouse. Yeah. And, and I just remember that. It's just sticks with me from my first concert ever. And I'm blown away standing uh. there going, look, like the sight. You got the sights. You got the sounds. You got everything going on. Yeah. People are smoking weed. Like, it. Was that your first experience? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, at 16, you don't, at least I didn't know. I grew up kind of with a sheltered life, you know? Mm-hmm. And here, it just blew me away. That whole thing blew me away. And I thought, yeah. this is Kiss, they're awesome. Like, here's these sirens. And and I'm like, this is cool. I'm like, from a small town, too. Do. Ithaca, New York is <laughs> yeah, a yeah. relatively small town. Yeah. We have Barton Hall, and it's famous for, like, Grateful Dead has one of their best bootleg okay. shows out of Barton sure. Hall. But it truly is like you're leaving planet Earth for a few hours yes. when you go into a concert yeah. venue and, and just the lights, the sound, the, you're in a different dimension. Yeah, and That's, you see yeah. people. The thing, that, the thing that sticks with me is you see people as you haven't seen them before. So you see yeah. classmates or, or like for me it was people I played sports with or whatever and here they are in their ripped jeans and their black concert t-shirts. Or maybe they're smoking a cigarette. Or, like you just don't see it. And yeah. then you go, wow, this is real life. Like this is – like, like and this. you can suspend this reality for two hours or yeah. two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. So that's what that song reminds me of. Did you get to talk about it on the radio when you were done? I did not. Oh. No. You weren't on yet. Mm, wasn't on yet. No. But there's a funny story. Skid Row. I don't know if you know the band Skid Row. Uh-huh. Sebastian Bach was the lead singer for Skid Row. And they were playing that same arena. And I was doing a live hit from backstage. And back then we had to use a payphone because there were no cell phones. Mid, uh, early 90s. I was on the air doing a hit from... A okay. payphone okay. backstage. That's bizarre. And they're telling me, you know, pump up what's going on there, the crowd, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, we're backstage. Skid Row's about to hit the stage. Blah, blah. Get down here. Tickets are still available. Who comes up to me but Sebastian Bach from Skid Row uh-huh. and just starts screaming profanities. Oh, no. While I'm on <laughs> the phone, live on the air on the radio station on Q107. I'm like, guys, got to go. Talk to you later. I'm <laughs> up the phone. He's like, yeah, man. Go like. I don't know if he was drunk or whatever, but just Probably, going crazy, yeah. dropping wow. everything you could possibly imagine. Oh, my God. And it so was cool. awesome. Like, nothing yeah. ever happened. We didn't get in any trouble or anything like that. But I'm just like, oh, my God, really? Yeah. I mean, of all things to happen, here yeah. comes Sebastian Bach just roaming around backstage. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Yeah. Cool. First concert. First concert. Song number three. Song number three. Slowing it down a bit. First. <laughs> I love this song. What would I do without your smart mouth? Drawing me in and you kicking me out. You got my head spinning. No kidding. I can't pin you down. What's going on in that beautiful mind? I'm on your magical mystery ride. And I'm so dizzy, don't know what hit me, but I'll be all right. My head's underwater, but I'm breathing fine. You're crazy and I'm out of my mind. Here it comes, Dave. Cause all of me loves Great lyrics too. Oh, yeah. Perfect imperfections. Give your all to me. I give my all to you. It's a great song. You're my 
got the chills again. I got the chills again. Uh, John Legend, all of me. John Legend, all of me. Okay, so again, I'm listening to the Stern show. I'm in my car, and I hear John Legend on the piano. Stern's got him in live in studio. Mm-hmm. He says, do you mind doing a song for me? He says, I'm going to play my new song for you. This is called All of Me. Oh. And does it just him on the piano. Literally chills up and down my body, back of my neck. The hair is just standing on the back of my neck. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. Never heard anything like, like, I know John Legend, but I've never heard anything like that song. And this is when he, it hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. He's, this is the new one I'm putting out. And I was like, oh my God. Literally get on the phone. I call my wife. I'm like, turn on Howard. Turn on Howard. Turn on Howard. Like, you never believe this. This is so good. This song is so good. And I said, this is the time when I was dating my, uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. Uh-huh. And I said, that's our wedding song. <gasps> and she's like, oh, let me think about it. Let me think about it. And then it was our wedding song. It wasn't the is first song we danced to. But to this day, she says it should have been the first song we danced to. She had a song in mind already. So I didn't want to step on her toes. What that was, was up it? to her. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> there's a Lady Antebellum song. Oh, okay. And I said, this is the song. Like, this is, it's, it's everything. If you listen to the lyrics, it's everything about us about what we how we feel you know yeah. what i mean it's love your curves and imperfections like what's your wife's name carly and how'd you guys meet we met at a king's game tell Go that figure. story because it's a really Go cute figure. story so david courtney who used to be the public address announcer for the kings he was there for 25 years big booming voice nicest guy i worked with him in radio for a long time that's how i knew him we, that's how we met through radio and so i had filled in for david doing some minor league hockey games and being the public address announcer when he couldn't make it. So David was the voice of the Angels, the Kings, the Long Beach Ice Dogs, and the Clippers. So he, he, he had, he had the market yeah. cornered, right? Yeah, right. So he couldn't be everywhere at once. So if there was a Kings game and the Long Beach Ice Dogs were playing hockey, he'd say, hey, can you cover for me and do the PA announcer for the Long Beach Ice Dogs? I said, sure. Then one day he's got an Angels game and he says, hey, can you, can you do the Kings game for me? I said, sure. So I, that's how I got into doing announcing for the Kings. So then one night, David is sick. He's at, at 2012. David, he gets sick during the game. My, I'm in the press box. I'm working for ESPN Radio here in Los Angeles. My phone goes off. It's the director of game entertainment for the Kings. And she says, go down to the PA booth right now. We need you right now. So I'm like, what the heck's going on? So I run down there. I put on the headset. And she says, David's sick. You have to do the rest of the game. Wow. I'm in no frame of mind to do this. I had no idea this was coming. Not, and I'm like, okay, great. So I do the rest of the game. One of my buddies who's in the media, he tweets out and he says, hey, David Courtney went down with a, with a lower body injury or something. My buddy Dave Joseph's filling in for him. Go easy on him, right? I've, I'd filled in a couple of times, but when you get thrown into the fire like, and you don't know what's coming, it's a little nerve-wracking. So I get through the, the night and I see on Twitter, this girl responds and she says, oh, you did a good job. And I'm like, okay, nice. great. So, yeah. yeah, so not like who says that? Most people rip into you and yeah. you know, say you're terrible. So I sent her a message back. I, I tracked her down on Facebook. And I sent her a message back. I said, hey, that was really nice of you to say. If, if you're at a game sometime, let me know. I'd like to come and say thank you. Not thinking anything. I, I was newly divorced at the time. I wasn't thinking anything about getting, with, getting to be with somebody or hanging out with somebody. She said, I'm a season ticket holder. If you want to meet at the next game, I'll just meet you at the next game. I said, great. I went and introduced myself. She's like, hey, great job. I'm like, oh, thanks. Nice to meet you. Appreciate everything you said. Okay, cool. Like, we exchanged phone numbers, and that was it. Like, I didn't think anything of it. And then a couple of games later, we met again, and I saw her at the game. And I'm like, hey, like, you want to hang out after the game? You want to go somewhere? And she goes, yeah, my, my friends are going. It's New Year's Eve. Uh-huh. My friends are going to a bar across the street. If you want to go there, we'll hang out. So I said, sure. So I went after the game, bought all of her friends drinks and everything. I'm like, hey, thanks you know, for the support. I appreciate you guys. 
And I had left before midnight because I had to be on the radio. I was doing morning radio at the time. Uh-huh. So I had to be in the radio station at like 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, boo. So I left at like 11. And I'm like, I can still get like five hours of sleep. You know how it is when you're, yeah. morning, you're like, yeah. oh, I can still get five, four and a half. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I set like fingers. five alarms. I'm like, oh, crap. I, she's like, you're not going to stay till midnight? I'm like, no, I got to work tomorrow morning. So, okay, great. And that's how that's how we started. Like that's how we got together. Yeah. And then we just kind of hit it off from there. That's so cute. Yeah. 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 Still together. Big. Go figure. Ready for song number four? Oh my. Ready. God. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. It was an anthem for me. So I was 10 years old. Uh, I believe this album had just come out. I had the cassette tape. And we were, uh, I was playing hockey. I was on a squirt double A team called Bonanza Family Restaurant Uh in Marquette, Michigan. (laughs) And we had the most unbelievable season that I can ever remember. And it turns out before every game we would play Twisted Sister and it would start with that, right? It was, we're not going to take it. And that was like our anthem for the season. Like, oh, we're cool. not going to take it. Like, this, we're 10. You know what I mean? But that was, <laughs> but we're rebelling at 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. But who's the coach? What was he like? Uh, Lee Irk. His name was Lee Irk. And he was this o- uh, older pipe smoking gentleman. He'd always have a pipe. And we're packing him, packing We go on these bus trips to like Elliott Lake, Ontario, middle of nowhere. It'd be like a 10 hour bus trip. And this is when you could like smoke in public and smoke on the bus. Lee would be in the front seat and he'd take out, he had this briefcase, like a, a hard briefcase, old school guy. And he'd open the briefcase and he'd take out his pipe and start smoking his pipe on the bus. Like when we're 10. Yeah. You could never do that now. No. But this is, this is just the way he was. So we had this, just this motley crew of 10 year old kids and we were, turns out we were really, really good. And we went on to win the state championship that year, the cool. Michigan State Championship in 1984. And we beat all these teams that we had no business beating. We beat a team from Port Huron. We beat a team from Flint. We beat a team like all Grand Rapids and Saginaw, all these all these big cities in Michigan. And we're from this small town, and there's no reason we should have won that the championship that year. We went on to win the, the Michigan State Championship for the highest level of squirt hockey that you can play, squirt double-A hockey. And I just remember like it was an eight-hour, eight or nine-hour bus trip to get down there, and then obviously the same to get back. But the whole way back, just playing this song – and having our families there on the bus and the moms are cheering and singing and like I it just takes me back to being ten and being really, really good yeah. as a team on the ice. Uh. Did you ever get nervous when you got on on the ice? Um no. Not really like that. It's kinda like a, it's kinda like uh I don't want to call it a safe zone, but it's like um there's like a comfort. Like as soon as you, I'm nervous beforehand. I'm nervous in the locker room. Yeah. First, first hit. Yeah. Gone. Oh yeah. You, yeah. As soon as you get out there and you're like, ooh, someone, just, someone just got me. Okay, yeah. now I'm into it. Like yeah. let's go. And Same then you with football wrestling. Yeah, you don't Same. think about it. like you're just like, okay, here we go. Like a little nervous and warm, but if it's more like butterflies. Like let's get going. Your adrenaline's flowing. Bam. Here we go. Yeah. And then someone hits you. Or you get a good slap shot off or whatever. And then it's like, ooh, okay, now we're in it. Now yeah. We're in it. And we won the state championship. I remember my dad came into the locker room afterward and he said. Whatever you guys do, take this with you for the rest of your life and hold on to this because you may never win another championship the rest of your lives. And we're all 10 and we're going, yeah, okay. Like we're 10, we're going to win a bunch of championships, right? Yeah. 
I've never won another championship mm. until the Kings won the Stanley Cup in 2014. Uh. But I, I'd never won anything. Like, I hadn't won a men's league championship. Like, I nothing. Yeah. No titles at all. And I just remember being 10 and having my dad, of all people, come into the locker room and say, you may never do this again. Wow. So just cherish it right now. Mm. And our, our parents went out and they bought champagne. Uh-huh. We were 10. They dumped out all the champagne and they filled it up with 7 Up. Uh, and they brought the champagne bottles into the locker room. And uh, we got to pop the cork and spray everybody. And we thought it was champagne at 10. Yeah. But it was 7 Up. So it was kind of cool. That's just cool. Yeah, you beat all these teams and then you make it to the, the pinnacle. And here you are and you're like drinking champ, quasi champagne. I put in air quotes yeah. in the locker room when you're 10. That's so that's, so that's what that song reminds me of. Yeah. Song number five. No, that's it. Five. Uh oh. Ah, I'm in the mood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in the mood. Yeah. yeah this is Madison Square Garden. Yeah, it could be. Chances are it is. Chances are it is. Yeah. yeah. He's in Tokyo, Japan. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Same city. Do you want me to do the studio version? Different time zone. No, this, oh, is, this is fine. It's good. This is this is it. Oh, he's so good. Taking the one and the nine up to Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Joel, hello. Billy Joel, New York State of Mind. Just reminds me of when I first went to college in New York. And again, small town kid. Been out of the been out of the small town a few times. My parents were we were fortunate enough to my parents took me to New York and um, Detroit and Chicago and Milwaukee and bigger cities just so I could experience that type of environment. So so I wasn't uh, just stuck in small town mentality mentality in my mind, right? Yeah. So I saw New York City for the first time, and I thought, "Wow, this is this is a lot." Do you remember how old you were? Um, probably seven or eight. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I just remember, like, we drove there. We were in a van. It was my family and my mom's sister and her family. And we were all in a van, and and <laughs> we went to see Annie on Broadway. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Winter Garden, and, I think. Yeah, yeah and yeah, it was, yeah. like blew me away. And I'm, I'm seven or eight at the time, whatever it was. I remember we had parked our van, and I had my baseball glove in the back, and it got stolen. Like we, Aww. then the car was locked, and we still don't know how that happened. But it was really weird. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I, I just remember seeing New York piece. at that age, and then I, it, it kind of settled for a while where I didn't think New York, and then I, when I started to think about going to college, making college choices, then I saw Hofstra, and it was great. It was this nice um, campus and great school and whatever. And then I get there, and one of my one of the guys that I was friends with 
Brad Kane was his name. Mm-hmm. We were driving his car. He's got this Jeep, and he says, you got to hear this. You got to hear the Billy Joel. He plays his Billy Joel tape, and like New York State of Mind came on, and he was singing, and I'm like, this song's fantastic. And I knew Billy Joel, but I didn't know like his older stuff. I Uptown knew- Uptown Girl. Yeah, like, that's the stuff I knew, because <laughs> yeah. I played Top 40 radio, yeah, and like, yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah. all that. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I like Billy Joel. Like He's all right, but whatever. I'm like, what is this? And he's going, you got to hear this, and you got to hear Piano Man, and you got to hear- Good Night Saigon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My and, buddy and, Pat Conley introduced like, all, yeah. I'm like, I, like mind blown. Yeah. I, I'm going, yeah. this is crazy. He's like, are you kidding me? He's like, my cousin's the drummer, and I'm like, what? wait, what? Like, what? Oh, wow. So I'm like, this is fantastic. He's like, oh yeah, I could play all the, and he's playing me all these songs, and I'm just going, this is unreal. So I went and I, I got Billy Joel's greatest hits. I'll never forget, like listening to this song over and over and over, and it just takes me back to being like 18, 19, and thinking, like I'm in New York now. Like this is a different, it's a different stage of my life, mm-hmm. and to hear that. And then I got to see him at the Hollywood Bowl two years ago. Oh, wow. I, I didn't get to see him in New York. All the, I was in New York for seven and a half years. I didn't get to see him. We had really good seats. I went with my wife and just blew me away again. And I, like, this guy's, what's Billy Joel in his 70s now? He's yeah. got to be in his late 60s or early yeah, 70s, it, right? Uh, little, late 60s. My mom's in her mid 70s. So he's a little bit younger. Than my okay. Dad. So, and I, I thought to be able to do this at this age, like, after all these years, he still sounds amazing. Like, that's incredible. And it just takes, I don't know, I kind of share a couple of different moments with that. Mm-hmm. Just the piano, you hear his voice and everything. He's such an incredible musician. He's got such a great voice. And to have all these hits, all these big songs, and to finally get to see him, I was like, wow, this guy is unbelievable. This is what a musician is. So this is kind of like the chapter into New York for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was here I am and Billy Joel, Long Island, you know, are kind of synonymous. He's mm-hmm. a New York guy. Mm-hmm. And, I don't mm-hmm. know. How Did you have roommates in school, in college? I did. I lived with, uh, the first year I was in the freshman dorms. We had to live in the freshman dorms. So I had uh, a roommate who lasted for a little bit. And then we switched out with another roommate because my roommate was heavy into pot at the time. So he wanted to live with another guy who was really heavy into pot. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, So then another guy who was in the communications department like I was, he was like, well, let's live together. I'm like, great. great." So we switched roommates. And then years two and three, I lived in like the athlete housing. So I lived with three guys who played on the hockey team. Oh, you were so you played four for, of us. For, for yeah, yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah, okay. I was just Division Two. It wasn't anything like special. But here we was, go again. It wasn't. I was bad. I, I, I didn't there were no score scholarships. One, or I scored fifty like goals in one game. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> no, I did have a, a two goals and an assist in my first game against Delaware. Now we're talking okay. for now. Stormy, but, but we lost sixteen three. So okay. that didn't say much. Uh, no, but I lived with uh, three three guys that played on the hockey team my sophomore and junior years, and then my senior year. I live with uh, my defensive partner transferred to Oswego, SUNY Oswego. Oh, that's my neck of the woods. Yeah, so he transferred there. So I lived with his family on Long Island. I lived in his room mm-hmm. for the year. Oh. So that was my college living experience. No parties in your room? Never any parties in our room. <laughs> Never. We had, we, it was just like, it was crazy because we had, at the end of every year, we'd have a couch party. And we had, the, it was a couch party. So we'd have, there was this like quad area. Out, it was, it was all these little dormitory buildings. And then there was like a big grassy area in the middle where everyone would kind of get together. Mm-hmm. So everyone on the last day, all your furniture was crap because it was yeah. just like from a secondhand store, whatever you could get your hands on. So we'd all take the couches in the chairs and we put them out in the quad and we'd drink beers and cook and do just last day of school. Who cares? Couch right? Party. Couch party. That's cool. So it gets out of hand as it usually does later on. And then one of the couches somehow, I'm not sure how, gets set on fire. 
And the, they're built that way. The couch, they're built that right. way. They so, come with it. So the couch is on fire. It then sets our building on fire. What? And the building's up in flames. No so way. now Nassau County Fire Department, every every fire department on Long Island is there at Hofstra to put out the- And Kiss is in the background <laughs> yeah, playing, yeah, Firehouse. playing Firehouse. It works. Good what a perfect- Good comeback. Oh, you Good got- callback, you, you, you brought this show <laughs> to another level, Mr. So that, Joe. Yeah, that was- It got yeah. it got a little crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. It and was that fun. was your senior year? That was my- That would have been my junior year. Oh, so you still yeah. had to come back? Still had to come back. That they was didn't really let, kind of fun, they didn't let me live on campus. Yeah. Welcome yeah, yeah. back, Mr. Storm. But yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> wow. That's, thank you for sharing your Fave Five songs. Those of course. Really good. Of course. Usually at this point, I like to invite our listeners to share their stories and their songs. No one's written in this week. But please, we have a brand new Instagram, a brand new Twitter account, and an email all at YTunes Shuffle. And then you can email at YTunes Shuffle at gmail.com if you want to share your stories and be our featured listener of the week. Brought to you by your name here. This next segment, um, since we tell it's get so story intensive, we like to take a quick little break and play a game called Band or Bar. And our guest last week, where did she take us? Long Beach Island, New Jersey. That's right. Mm. Long yeah. Beach Island, LBI, New Jersey. LBI, I've been there. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. Oh, you might Many be times. a ringer in this game. Uh, so Dave will give us the name of two, give us two names, and we have to discern if it's either a band name or a bar name. <laughs> so if I were to... If I were to, to, to Blow up your celly and say, hey, do you want to go have something to eat at Daymark? And uh, then uh, maybe um, check out Off the Rocker? Or do you want to go get something to eat at Off the Rocker and check out Daymark and hear what they got in terms of music? Wow, that's tough. Off the Rocker? I don't know the answer. No, so we can work together. And Daymark. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Yep. Daymark. They might, have, they might have great wings, pitchers. <laughs> I feel uh, like that's like a horse race place. Daymark. Like that's where you go to hang out and watch and gamble. And the other one is off, off the, the rocker. rocker. Off off the, the which rocker. could be a place that you go like off the rocker. You Maybe it's like there, a club, yeah. Off the rock. But off the rocker is a cool name for a band. I'm off my rock. Maybe it's like a kiss cover band. Off the rocker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would say Daymark is the bar. That's what I would say. You'd, that's what you think? What would you say? Um, you were going the other way, weren't you? Yeah, I was going to go the other way. I think Off the Rocker is the bar, and I'm going to go watch Okay, let's Daymark. do that. Off the Rocker is the bar. Off the Rocker is the bar. And Daymark is the band. Uh, well, if, if, if you like good straight-ahead rock and roll, then you better get off your rocker, because Off the Rocker is actually the name of the band. So you were right. Oh, yeah. Don't ever listen to me. I'm terrible. Yeah, <laughs> off the Rocker. Uh, off the Rocker, you can get all their information. they got a Facebook page. They've been around since 99. They're a great party band. They travel around the East Coast. Excellent music, uh, covers and originals. Off the Rocker, check them out. They're going to be at Nardi's, I think, this week at Bayview oh. Island. Oh, yeah. you don't want to miss my, that. My sister's uh, married name is Nardi, so I think. N-A-R-D-I? Yeah. Really? On the other <laughs> hand, at 404 Broadway uh, in Barnegat Light, New Jersey, which is just off of the coast there of uh, Long Island. Here it's wonderful this time of year. <laughs> yeah, Long Beach Island. <laughs> Great restaurant. We're talking chicken wings, great cheeseburgers, all pitchers, half price between uh, 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. So if you're in the area and you want to hear some good music, check out Off the Rocker. You want some good food to go with that music? Check out Daymark. All available to you on your visit to Long Beach Island, (laughs) New Jersey. I love that. Thanks for playing band name or bar name. 
Brought to you by Yona and Thank you. That was fun. I like that. Actually, we have a job for you. Okay. Good, sir. Next week, we want to go somewhere else, but it's up to you to decide where Dave will research a band and a bar. Anywhere uh, in the world. Anywhere in the world. Oh, I, I know it. I live there. Providence, Rhode Island. Let's do it. Providence, Rhode Island. Lots of good bars to choose from yes. and lots of good bands to choose from. All right. Providence, Rhode Island. P-Town. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a city. Yeah, yeah. Mid-20s, 25, 26 when I lived in Providence. Uh-huh. One of the best times in my life. Like, literally great town. If you can take a little snow and a little cold weather, uh-huh. it is a beautiful, beautiful city. A little Acosta Nostra, you know. Ooh, Ooh, baby. baby. The old mayor, Buddy Cianci. Oh, he, was, he was all <laughs> connected and all that Forget kind of stuff it. and still got reelected. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, now that we've gone through your Faye Five and we've kind of grown, it feels like we've grown up with you a little bit. Thank you. Totally. What's, let's bring it current. 2017, what are you listening to? What's your guilty pleasure, my friend? Oh, man. What's my guilty pleasure? As in music? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Open it up. What's your Open guilty it. pleasure? <laughs> uh, Does it have anything to do like with the doctor you visited? I don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a guilty pleasure. Like, I don't listen to Taylor Swift or anything. Like, I, I, Why not? I, I kind of feel like you want me to say that, but I don't. I don't. I, I'm, I'm in. Uh, Are you like a classical music fan? Like a no. closet? No. Are you watching like a reality TV show that you know you won't want to tell your wife about? Uh, Surprise us. <laughs> Surprise us. No, 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 we, no. I'm trying to think of. I watch MasterChef. Do you watch the MasterChef? Do you watch it? No? Watch it. Is that bad? No. No. I like MasterChef for some reason. Is that bad? Uh, That's cute. Here's a shock. I watch uh, Hard Knocks on HBO, the football uh, training camp uh-huh. thing on HBO. That's know. good with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's, uh-huh. that's a good thing, but it's not. Not really guilty. Tampa player. Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, they're in the National Football League. Some wouldn't know that, but yeah. Oh. But it's a it's a it's a documentary about what they do every day at training camp, and it's really good. It's on HBO. Oh, so watch that. But it's oh. not. It's from the guilty pleasure. Watch America's Got Talent. There, there not it is. Gonna lie. There it is. is that bad? Is charged. Yeah. Guilty. Do you watch it? No, I don't. I, geez, <laughs> like, I, got, no. I got rabbit ears on my television. Okay. Yeah, Do you really? My lifestyle. Yeah, I got rabbit ears, and you can catch so many stations, all the PBS, all the networks. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the, the digital sort of feed is yep. incredible. Yep. Uh, it's best kept secret. But no, I haven't had cable for uh, almost 18 years. How do you do it? Uh, you just plug in the rabbit ears and get them off the <laughs> raise them up. And then, How do you go without the cable? How well, do you... I got this thing. He's not a sports guy. That's the, why. I got this really weird thing. Uh, it's it's a home computer. Uh, it's, I actually keep it in my house, and I can go through this thing called Hulu and Amazon. Okay. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I, can, yeah. I, I catch gotcha. it through that and put it through the big screen. But, gotcha. Uh, that's my guilty pleasure. That's it. No, I like it. Well, Dave Joseph, we know that we can find you at every single LA Kings game ever, but if we want to follow your work and all the sports things that you talk about, what's your corner of the internet? How do we find you? Yeah, on Twitter, you can find me at Dave Joseph LA, mm-hmm. at Dave Joseph LA. And on Instagram, I'm at the Dave Joseph, T H E, Dave Joseph. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure for me to be here with you guys. So thank thanks you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, really oh, nice meeting you. It means a lot to me that you guys have me in. So thanks. Oh.